the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking investing, talking money, talking retirement, talking getting you there. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. We could talk about the stock market. When the 10-year treasury note is up noticeably, noticeably, um, it quickly makes you wonder, has something gone wrong? Um, there's the market that we look at. There's oil. Oil gives us kind of a, a look into maybe worldwide demand on economies. Gold gives us a look into fear on worldwide economies and worldwide stock markets. Our markets give us a feel on U.S. economy, obviously. They're a discounting mechanism. And the fact that they ran up right after Trump got elected was there was a lot of optimism that a lot of things were going to get done, like tax reform, um, dividend repatriation of cash to the United States. That would help dividend stocks. There was a lot of ex- hope and expectations. And uh, in the last two months, it's kind of been a little bit like we're not giving up. We're, we're hitting some new highs, but very, very, very slowly. It seems like the market leadership, where you want it to be, it's not. So the 10-year Treasury bond, when it sits at 2.14%, that's a big move. On the, it, it goes lower because people are buying it, because people are saying, I'm willing to accept 2.14%. That's worthy of note. Some People out there are thinking something's wrong. Now, we'll see where it is in a couple of days from now. Um... Today is early part of the week. Um, Later in the week, there's some market-moving potential events. There's the ECB meeting in the UK, or the ECB meeting in Europe. There's an election in the UK. There's former FBI Director James Comey, his testimony before the Senate Intelligence Committee, which I was a little shocked that uh, if there's there's a well-known smoking gun there, 
why did Trump not use his executive privilege to have him not sit down and talk with the Congress? Um, there's a lot of conversation. You know, what, what will Comey talk about? What will he not talk about? What will he say? Uh, that's private information, or not private information. That's you know, top secret information. Can't talk about it. But he had conversations with President Trump pertaining to the FBI's investigation of former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. So what's unfolding right now is a little bit of risk aversion. That's what's happening when you see people jump in gold and people jump in the 10-year treasury. There's weakness in the financials, uh, which I think are starting to look very attractive. Um, Let's see. Oil prices, a little bit lower. Um, They're not offering a lot of support for the market at this point in time. There's that huge diplomatic rift that we talked about yesterday between some Middle Eastern nations and Cater. And that's going to undermine OPEC's efforts to curtail production. The economic message right now that we're looking at is a weakening dollars cooled off some of the buying enthusiasm for in, the, in the stock market, which at 17.7 times forward 12-month earnings is trading at 26 premium to the 10-year average. That's worthy of note. We get the jobs report this morning, the JOLTS report. And the JOLTS report is job openings. And it's one of the indicators that... The, it's one of the indicators that the Federal Reserve looks at. So U.S. hirings and job quittings fall slightly in April. The job openings rose in April to a record 6 million. So there's a lot of jobs out there, and in theory, that should continue to help our, our economy. Snap acquired an ad location startup called Placed, which is pretty interesting to me. What, what Placed does is, if you have an online campaign... Go to newfocusfinancial.com, sign up for a seminar, an online campaign that's online, for instance. Um, It's worthy of note that, how do you measure that success? Snap has acquired Place, a startup that measures the impact of ads by using location-based analytics, the ad startup said this week. The acquisition comes as Snap works to ramp up its advertising business under the theory that its small user base will be more engaged and thus bring in greater revenue. Place will continue to work independently after the acquisition. So, um, Snap, uh, one of the new internet companies that's out there, it's kind of had one rough, um, had one rough reporting season already, is um, out there. Let's see, what are some stories of note? Apple had a big day yesterday. They unleashed a slew of new products, software, and updates. Uh, their Siri-enabled speaker uh, called HomePod, which is HomePod, excuse me, <laughs> EarPods, AirPods, like, uh, all these funny, silly little names, right? That's going to be a new product category for Apple. Uh, at $349, it's basically twice as expensive as Alexa. So HomePod is a 7-inch tall speaker. It kind of looks like a roll of toilet paper. Um, that's what a lot of the memes were saying out there. Uh, and we knew it was going to come. It can control things like smart light bulbs and thermostats and things like that in your house, but it also has uh, microphones and speakers, so it's pretty well condensed, and it's kind of got a 3D system, a 3D, three-dimensional uh, surround sound, kind of, not surround sound. It can beam music in different directions, and even if you're listening to loud music, you get to say, hey, Siri, play the next song, and it'll hear you over the music, which is kind of cool. 
Um, I got the Alexa, and I, I found it's great for shopping, but it's it's not the greatest for music. Apple launched a new size for its iPad, 10.5 inches. The new model is going to start at $649 with 64 gigabytes of storage. It's going to cost up to $949 for 512 gigabytes of storage. It's going to include some updated features like a better display, smoother scrolling, a faster chip, the ability to multitask between apps, and the same camera that's an iPhone 7. That's going to start shipping on Monday. They got some new Mac-like capabilities on it uh, for the iPad. The new iPad Pro will also blur the line between tablet and laptop further once again. Um, MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, MacBook all got some updates. Nothing, you know, core changing the world. Um, just some tweak in specs. The MacBook Air got its first update in more than 800 days. It's going to have a 1.8 gigahertz processor, one point rather than 1.6. That's like that's not much. Um, MacBook Pro laptops are going to use Intel's latest seventh-generation core processors, known as Kaby Lake. Uh, it's adding faster graphics on their 15-inch model. The iMac has more memory, more ports, and better displays. Uh, the Watch OS got a new interface, improved fitness tracking, and better Siri integration. Siri got a better deal. Um, she can now say words in different um, Dialects, not dialects, but she could say, today it's going to be sunny. Um, and it's going to sound a lot less robotic. Um, you're going to be able to use Apple Pay through instant messaging. Basically, it's a money transfer app now, like Venmo. Um, and it's going to be directly integrated in iMessage, so you can send money directly within a conversation with to a friend. That's pretty cool. Um, Amazon Prime Video is coming to Apple TV. You'll be able to watch Amazon shows and movies on your Apple TV, resolving a gripe that users had with Apple TV for years. Um, the new operating system, High Sierra, is the next version of the uh, operating system for Apple computers. So as far as you get a big update, stop videos uh, from autoplaying and ads from tracking you across the web. iOS 11 has a refresh control center. A lot of things announced. And the iMac Pro is pretty darn cool, starting at $5,000. I'm not back. Trouble on my left, trouble on my right. I've been facing trouble almost all my life. My sweet love, won't you pull me through? Everywhere I look, I catch a glimpse. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Credit cards can be super convenient, but you get one for emergencies, and then the emergencies tend to be pizza on a Friday night. It's a problem in the United States, um, how much debt we have as a nation and how much debt we have as individuals. And I don't think some people stop and you know think before they get themselves into trouble. And it's unfortunate because uh, we don't educate ourselves well. The average college student overdrafts more than twice a year. One-third of college students have also paid a credit card bill late, which hurts their credit. Um, One-third... Never pay your credit cards late. That should be the first thing your mom or dad says to you when they send you off to college. 
Um, don't live paycheck to paycheck. And bank and credit card fees cost our college kids roughly $795 million. Now, we know that they have a trillion dollars of debt, so that's not going to dent it. <laughs> but it's in the realm of denting it, right? Um, not denting it, but uh, kicking it down the road, so to speak. And uh, there's like, we have just, can you imagine giving a bank $795 million? So big Comey testimony on Thursday and big UK election. The market's going to stop, take a look around, and go, hmm. Let's wait till Thursday before we make any big bets. It's not a horrible thing to think about. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Talk a little financial planning with Mr. Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton from NewFocusFinancial.com. That's NewFocusFinancial.com. Chad, there's been a lot of headlines about ETFs and how individuals can trade them for free. Let's talk about ETFs and what people need to know. Yeah, I mean, this is should be a core holding in people's portfolios, but it needs to be a core holding in the right place, and they need to be used properly. ETF stands for Exchange Traded Fund. We know mutual funds are actively managed or passively managed. Um, same thing with ETFs? Yeah, now. I mean, they start off as passively managed products. So the best known ones are Spiders, symbol SPY, where you can buy the S&P 500, um, or QQQs. That's the other big one that is based on the NASDAQ. Um, you can look at the holdings there easily. Um, ETFs, they trade all day long and you can, you have to, the, the holdings are reported on a daily basis. When you buy a mutual fund, if you trade in the morning, whether it's a buy or sell, you don't get the price till the end of the day. So mutual funds trade once a day. At the end of the day, they figure out the net asset value. ETFs are considered more transparent. They trade all day long. So you could do things like stop losses if you've decided you want to sell something. Um, you can do limit orders. It's a little bit easier to use, but the idea is that they're a little bit cheaper typically than the mutual fund, and they're a great tax-efficient way to get broad-based exposure in the right areas. And when I say the right areas, I like uh, if you're trying to do broad-based exposure into large caps or mid caps or certain sectors, that's when they work well. Um, also, certain strategies like some of the dividend-increasing ETFs that are out there. Um, Vanguard has one. Um, S&P has one. Those are great tools. Where I don't like them is in the areas of small cap or emerging markets or international because I think you need a manager to be a little bit smarter in terms of what companies in the international indexes you truly, truly want to own. As a financial planner, as a portfolio manager, what are some of the products other than ETFs that you include in overall portfolios? Well, I like them all. So a lot of firms out there will say, well, I'm only an index fund investor, or I'm only a managed mutual fund investor, or I'm only a stock picker. Um, you know, I decided a long time ago that I was never going to put myself in a box because things change. And I like stocks in certain specific areas, like dividend increasing stocks. Yep. I like ETFs in large and mid-cap, and I like managed funds for my small cap, some of my mid-cap, my international, or things like if I'm investing in certain types of oil and gas companies. Um, so the, there's good and bad in everything, and you can't just say your one thing as an investor, because as soon as you do that, you're probably going to be wrong. There's a person who espouses buy and hope is dead. 
and buy and hold is dead. And, you know, I, I don't where you say you don't put yourself in a box. I hate people that put themselves in boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to have an open mind. I think a, a Republican Congress is different than a Democrat Congress. I think a Republican president is different than a Democrat. Co- pro- like it, it changes how you might say, well, I, I feel a little bit better about, uh, you know, international companies. I feel a little bit better about defense companies. Mm-hmm. Well, I think if you had to get a little bit more active, and I think 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I would have ignored the t- fundamentals, but or the not the fundamentals, but the technicals. So now, though, I'll use kind of quantitative analysis, just certain quant screens to narrow down the choices of stocks that we're going to look at, because there's so many out there. Right. And then uh, use fundamentals to determine which companies you want to buy, and then you use technicals as the last resort to just make sure that the entry point that you want to achieve is correct. Sometimes you don't want to buy until the chart looks maybe a little bit better and things have turned. Um, sometimes you don't want to sell until the chart starts to break down. Um, but it's not the first. I mean, people that only trade on technicals, show me one that's been really successful and always beat the market over the long run. Yeah, and if I were to give it my Call of Duty analysis, it would be like bringing a sniper rifle into a city battle. You don't do it. You bring a sniper battle, a rifle into a wide open desert. You know, I... I Six months ago, I would have not known what you were talking about, but I finally played it with my son, and I realized how horrible I am at video games. Oh, yeah. I spent half the time shooting the wall or looking up <laughs> looking up in the sky. I can't get my thumbs to work the same way. It's, it's horrible. It's awesome. So <laughs> as a financial planner, you know the right tools to use in the right scenarios. As a video game player, you don't, right. so you don't play video games. Same thing with investing. If you don't know the difference between an index ETF or... Uh, one that's more actively managed, what the costs are, what uh, different presidencies, what different inflation areas. Low inflation, you can make a lot of money. High inflation, it's tough to win in the market, and it's easy to win in the bond market. So different scenarios win in different um, environments. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a certain point where interest rate increases are okay, but after that, there might be a time to overweight in bonds again. Good stuff. Tune in every day. Chad Burton is live and on air Mondays from 6 to 7 on KDOW. You can also find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And while you're at the New Focus Financial website, <clears throat> check out um, some of the downloadables that are there. Um, when I say downloadables, uh, I'm talking about things that you can um, grab <laughs> and put up... Uh, uh, you know, 12 tax return mistakes, uh, some of his podcasts on wealth. Um, you can link into his recent you know, blog post. You can check out, um, you, know, you can get a review of your portfolio requested. So you can schedule an appointment to meet with a CFP, uh, complimentary good stuff like that at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app.
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing more, really trying to get you to retirement. I think that's the, the gist of what I do. To help me understand the markets, I start my day every day by reading Patrick O'Hare's page one at briefing.com. I've been doing this for over 15 years. Sadly, I think it's it's closed in on 20. Uh, Mr. O'Hare, how are you, sir? Hey, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thanks. Appreciate it. So, absolutely. Um, I love your work, and uh, it's so well-written. Uh, it's easily approachable. For a financial guy, it's uh, not intimidating. So with that out there, uh, the news today is kind of um, what's driving the market is, it, it, I think you said it well, It's uh, people are kind of waiting to see what happens on Thursday with Comey and the UK elections. So there's a little bit of hesitancy. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that that's pretty much the gist of things right now. I mean, you have a little bit of risk aversion unfolding here today with some strength in the Treasury market and not a lot of uh, participation in in the equity market um, right now. Um, it's mixed, but uh, but strikingly, you, you still have that uh, what I call the high five uh, stocks. Um, you know, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and Facebook—they're all trading up again. And so uh, despite the fact that you currently have nine sectors out of 11 S&P 500 sectors trading lower right now, um, you know, the S&P 500 is down just a tenth of a percent uh, because the weight of those five stocks is, is, uh, has some outsized impact and it certainly helps uh, act as a, a stabilizing influence. So, um, but, but it also is a reflection, I think, too, of some, one of the concerns that's, uh, that's starting to register with us certainly um, about the market's near-term prospects, the fact that you have some narrowing leadership here and, and a smaller concentration of stocks that are doing well than than in the past. So with markets hitting pretty regularly, I think last week we had a couple new record highs. Should investors say, time to ring the cash register, maybe sell some of the winners, buy some of your losers? Is it reallocation time going into the summer? Maybe volume goes down, maybe we get more uh, swings uh, what would you be advising uh, maybe your hypothetical 25-year-old son who doesn't know a lot about finance? Right. Well, I guess if uh, you know, if you have a 25-year-old out there, then it probably you know, wouldn't tell him to, to do a whole lot. Maybe at, at the margin you take a look at some of the uh, stocks and or industry groups that they might own that have done extremely well, and, and you know, it might be a good opportunity to kind of uh, – preach some of the virtues of rebalancing, uh, so where you take uh, maybe take something off the top there and, and perhaps reallocate, rebalance into those areas that have not done so well, because if you're 25 years old, you certainly have uh, time to make up any losses you might incur in equities, and, and you certainly have uh, the wherewithal to take on more risk. And so, uh, so for that hypothetical investor, um, you know, I don't think you want to cause too much disruption in their investment plan right now. Um, someone who's on the you know older end of the investment spectrum, you know, you probably, you know, I think, I think near-term risk is certainly elevated here, um, in the sense that uh, you've got some divergences going on within the capital markets that um, uh, that are, I guess, concerning, for lack of a better word. Um, you know, you're getting this inconsistency between what's going on in the treasury market and what's going on in the stock market. 
the narrowing leadership, um, uh, you know, commodities that are, you know, moving closer to a 52-week low uh, these days. And, uh, and so there's a disconnect, I think, between the enthusiasm that's registering in the major stock indices uh, versus what's going on perhaps in the broader economy. And so, so that's a little concerning to us. And, of course, you still have, you know, S&P 500 trading at a, at a premium valuation here. It's trading uh, at about a 25% premium to its 10-year historical average. Uh, and granted, interest rates have continued to remain low. Uh, which has enhanced the relative um, value argument for owning equities. Uh, but nonetheless, I think maybe getting a little bit long in the tooth there uh, from a near-term perspective and perhaps a, a good opportunity here to be uh, somewhat prudent and start pairing some of those big winners and, and maybe just sitting back and, and waiting to see how things shake out here in the near term because you do have some risk events on the, on the near horizon. Would we be, f- I'm not going to say foolish, um, like you said, commodity prices are trending closer to their lower levels of the last 52 weeks, and financials are doing the same thing. They're struggling to find any sort of footing or traction going higher, even though we're in an environment where jobs are not plentiful, but they're doing well. Um, are we going to look back and say there were some signs that a recession was coming? Are we going to look back and say maybe we should have taken more off the table? Because jobs should be leading, transports should be leading, and they're not. And I'm, I'm worried by that myself. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, no one can ever predict, tell the future, right, with 100% sure. certainty. Um, so, um, so I guess to answer your question, Rob, I mean, there is the possibility that in hindsight, yes, we could look back and say, well, there were some warning signals here, but, but that's why you, uh, you need to think about things in, in the here and now. Like, what are, what are some of these divergences that inconsistencies that just are not, uh, Fitting a market, a stock market anyway, you know, running to to record highs, uh, and when you have the underperformance of the financials, the underperformance of the transports, um, you know, the underperformance of the Russell 2000, um, you know, notwithstanding some good performances in the past few weeks, but you know, when you when you stack those things together uh, and you look at a at, at uh, a 10-year Treasury note uh, that's you know yielding what 2.14 percent today. Uh, and and seeing a narrowing spread between the the front of the curve and the back of the curve, and uh, you know it's just it's something that gives you some some cause for pause, I think, um, given how how the market has the stock market anyway has has run seemingly with blinders on to anything that's that's potentially bad or, or worrisome, and and knowing too that you. Uh, aren't seeing a lot of hedging for downside risk, um, which is to suggest if you get a negative risk event with some real impact, uh, then the losses in the selling activity could intensify in a hurry because um, no one is essentially positioned for it. <clears throat> he recently did a piece for briefing.com under the big picture, which comes out once a week. And you talked a little bit about inflation and, you know, a lot like the old Wendy's commercial of where's the beef, you asked the question of where's the wage inflation. We right. could use some wage inflation, but with wage inflation comes less profits by companies. So it's kind of, it's kind of a, there's no right answer. There's just kind of a compromise. But uh, talk a little bit about wage inflation, why we're not seeing it maybe. Right, right. Well, that is one of the real puzzling things. I mean, you have an unemployment rate that's at a 16-year low right here, and, and, and you're effectively not seeing any real wage inflation. Um, saw in the employment report last Friday that average hourly earnings were up 2.5% year over year, and that was unchanged from you know the 12-month period ending in April. Um, 
and in, in, it is it is puzzling. I mean, um, I think that there are some factors that could be contributing to it. Um, you know, I do think that employees uh, are still reluctant to really press their wage demands. Um, you know, just because they're fearful that they'll be replaced and 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 that someone will step in willing to to take the job at a at a reduced rate or or the same rate. Um, I think also that you know you've got more competition right now among low skilled and medium skilled workers to hold on to their jobs, uh, given that they're behind the curve with advancements in technology, um, some relatively poor job training efforts, and, and knowing that they're confronted with rising healthcare costs. So a lot of a lot of workers just want to make sure they have a job to ma- you know maintain their healthcare coverage as well. So not willing to push the envelope there as far as wage demands are concerned. And uh, and then and the fact of the matter too is a lot of the new jobs added during this. Recovery have been lower-paying jobs in the services sector, um, you know. So those are just some of the contributing factors, I think, as to why you're not seeing you know wage growth pick up to any great extent uh, right here. And of course, because you haven't seen a pickup in wage growth, I think that that's filtered through as well to broader inflation because consumers have been more um, uh, reluctant to spend uh, on discretionary items than they would have otherwise if they were seeing stronger wage growth. Okay, so what are you working on for this Friday's big picture? Because we just talked a little wage inflation and what we're seeing and what we're not seeing. Your big picture well, comes out typically Right, what's interesting, I mean, we've kind of almost canvassed the topic here in our interview today because okay. um, something I'm going to be looking more at, I, I think. I'm still in a development stage, mind you. But, um, but okay. some of these inconsistencies that are registering in the market are, you know, something to think about uh, here as we you know, consider near-term risk to be elevated, and, and it is the idea that you have a flattening yield curve, commodities that are weak, a dollar that's weak, uh, narrowing breadth, um, you know, financials that continue to underperform. I mean, these are these are things that um, you know kind of make us take a step back and and, and and start to contemplate the notion that perhaps the stock market is uh, due for a consolidation period here um, because there's. The divergences are getting too great in terms of what the growth expectations are and what the actual reality is based on what's being um, priced into some of these capital markets. I like, I like the way you said that. Um, expectations versus reality. It's uh, a theme that is pervasive in many people's lives. Thanks for joining me today. Um, have a good day, and I look forward to your article on the big picture on Friday as well as starting every day with page one. Um, appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Rob. Sure. You can find more about at briefing.com. Uh, that's briefing.com. It's www.briefing.com. I slice this interview. I post it on Facebook. I post it on Twitter and other locations. You can find it at um, my Facebook page, Cron4 Rob Black. It's Cron4 Rob Black. You can find it in my group, I Hate Rob Black, under Facebook. Twitter is at Rob Black Show. Um, yeah, so there's plenty of stuff out there for you. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me at robblackshow.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money 
on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, lots going on. Job openings hit a record high, 6 million in the United States. Um, that rose to in April to a record high, but the pace of hiring slipped to a one-year low. In another sign, the economy is running out of people with enough skills to fill those positions. Fast-rising home prices um, <clears throat> are in the news. Um, what you're seeing there is home values rose a healthy 6.9% in April compared with uh, last year, same month. And that's a drop from the 7.1% annual gain in March and 7% gain in February. CoreLogic is a group who's following this. They're lowering its predictions for annual gains to 5.1% in April 2018. This spring's going to be one of the hottest sellers uh, markets in histories, but even off-the-chart demand can't really put a potential buyer into a home if it's not priced right. So homes that are too expensive, based on region's demands, won't sell is some of the news that came out of that today. I kind of want to make you a little bit aware of the idea that Southwest is having a big two-day sale. Now is a very good time to potentially get some of your flights done. There's blackout dates, like you're not going to get Thanksgiving, you know, things like that. Uh, But it's a pretty amazing flight for the next couple of days, and the flights go pretty fast. So jump on it sooner rather than later, in my opinion. Uh, my thoughts on it, you know, to give it a little bit more color. It's a two-day sale. And what you see is it's $100 round trip. So some of their fares are $49 each way. And that's on the shorter routes. And it increases to $79, $99, $129 on longer flights. The sale fares also include, obviously, longer routes. It's good from August 22 traveling all the way through December 13. Um, again, there are some blackout dates like Labor Day and Thanksgiving. Elsewhere out there, um, Apple came out with six things yesterday. Basically, a watch operating system, the Mac OS High Sierra new um, operating system, new iMac, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro refreshes, the iOS 11, the iPad 10.5-incher, uh, and the Apple HomePod speaker, and I think the HomePod speaker is the one that most people are talking about, because it's got the same brain as an iPhone 6. Um, it's got, you know, a voice-controlled speaker. They finally are jumping on it, so now you're going to see Amazon come out with something even better before the next six months comes, and uh, that's when we're going to see the speaker. So Apple has a lot of time to kind of tinker with it. But it has an array of six microphones to pick up your voice, and it's got its own connection to Siri, Apple's AI uh, assistant. Uh, the HomePod is not, it's, a, it's not an accessory. It's a computer for your home, and uh, that's out there. AAA said they're going to increase insurance rates up to 30% on Teslas. AAA is poised to raise its insurance rates on Tesla vehicles based on data showing higher than average insurance claims and costs for the Model S and costs for the Model X. Uh, now do you still want to own a Tesla? Like, what's going to be the thing that talks you out of it? Higher insurance? Probably not. Bitcoin hit $2,900 for the first time, breaking out above uh, $2,900. Uh, it's been an amazing year, up over 200%. Bank of 
bank and credit card fees cost college kids about $795 million on a group of people who don't have a lot of cash um, or cash flow or incoming cash. That's pretty upsetting. Uh, there's a, a cool report out talking about malls, and it basically said, you know, malls are changing, and we don't shop the same way we used to. So I don't, I buy stuff at malls when I have to. Like, if you have a kid who gets a great report card, hey, let's go buy something at the Lego store. Um, I go to malls for, you know, that dinner that is at a chain that you feel comfortable with because you just don't really want to, like, get too fancy tonight. So malls have to start like putting concerts in there. They're going to have to start putting more experiences to get people there. And some of those experiences are food. So open up to more restaurants. Um, but there's a great report out talking about malls are going to become the parking lot for Uber drivers and Amazon workers. And I think that's kind of funny. I could see that coming true. Um, I think you're going to start seeing like apartments being put into some malls. Uh, the mall has to evolve. The Apple Watch is about to get a little more useful. Uh, there's a company, um, the Apple Watch is going to link wireless to a, a glucose sensor from Dexcom, which is a medical device maker. And Dexcom stock spiked 6% on the news yesterday. Developers expect swappable watch bands laden with sensors to track health symptoms. So uh, one of the big rumors when the watch was coming out two years ago was that it was going to have enough sensors on it to like predict a heart attack. You know, save your life in the middle of the night, but in the middle of the night you're charging your phone, or you're charging your watch, so it doesn't quite work. Um, Elsewhere out there, Amazon's fighting Walmart for low-income shoppers. So, this is pretty interesting. The online retailer Giant basically said that it's going to offer nearly a 20% to this 20% of the population. Um, People who use government assistance, food stamps, a $5.99 monthly Prime membership, which is less than the $10.99 a month or $99 annual plan for other consumers. The membership will buy access to unlimited two-day shipping, video and music content, photo storage, and other perks. So Walmart and Amazon going after poor people. And finally, Donald Trump's plan to privatize air traffic control could end up costing us more. That's what's out there. It's essentially you know, handing over operations of the airways from the federal government to a nonprofit corporation. Which is a very uh, good thing. Which is a very, very good thing. Trump boasted that, you know, by privatizing control of the nation's skyways, it's going to speed up modernization of the air traffic system, which has been slow to switch from radar to more precise and efficient GPS technology. It's, in Trump's word, a broken, antiquated, horrible system. Um, But it could end up costing us a lot more. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.